0: information like this, Cardassia could launch a major counterattack against the Klingons. They could, but they won't. Why not? The Detapa Consul has something else in mind. They've ordered me not to engage the Klingons in any further conflict. The Consul is looking for a diplomatic solution. They've ordered me to return to Cardassia Prime to resume my... Post as military advisor. Well, I thought that's what you wanted. It was. But what is the point of being a military advisor to a government that won't fight? Well, you can change their minds. Convince your fellow Cardassians to go on the offensive. Now, I'd be wasting my breath. They wouldn't listen to me. No one wants to fight. There was a time when the mere mention of my race inspired fear. And now, we're a-beaten people. Afraid to fight back because we don't want to lose what little is left. That's not the Cardassians I know. What Cardassians? Don't you see, Major? They're paralyzed. They're beaten and defeated. I am the only Cardassian left. And if no one else will stand against the Klingons, I will.
1: Face Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike. I am one of your hosts, and with me here
2: live is Johnson. You know they can't see us, right? You're like making all these hand gestures. Well, I, I, at least I'm not, <laughs> you, at least you haven't checked your hair.
1: Oh, that's true. Because that's usually when we record these on You're the video. Your, your hands a lot. I don't
2: know what's happening. I don't know. It's I'm fine. Very
1: Trying to build up my energy. You're very emphatic, yeah. I'm very emphatic. Um, Yes,
2: hi Mike, I'm here in person with you. We are, we're recording live. We are... Live as in by the time that people listen to this, it's going to be like a while.
1: Right, because we're doing some vacation
2: pre-recording. Yes, so for our listeners, you are basically getting a visit back in time. It's like your time traveling to the past is July 5th. And we are doing some early recordings because Mike and Dennis are going on vacation for two weeks.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: And you're abandoning me. That's fine.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm abandoning work. I'm abandoning New York. Uh... Wait,
2: but our listeners should also know that we are going to be participating in... Uh, IDIC panel. Do you want to talk, do you know anything about it that you could, <laughs> off the top of your head that you want to tell well, our listeners about it? Well, so we are doing
1: this uh, podcast live. It's live stream. More of a live stream, yeah. yeah it's live stream. It's a uh,
2: podcast festival. I think that's how they're positioning it. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. and with uh, a diversity of different um, podcasts and hosts and and topics, all revolving around. The Infinite Diversity and Infinite Combinations kind of uh, philosophy of Star Trek. Correct. And uh, so for our listeners, we will... uh,
2: And it's with Women at Warp, which is... Yes. What? Uh, (laughs) uh,
1: It's another podcast. (laughs) I'm like, what are they? (laughs) Um... Yeah, it's it's another podcast.
2: We were not prepared
1: to do this promotion.
2: We were not. <laughs> <laughs> Should we stop and re record all of this? No, it's good. You know, our listeners are getting to hear us as we kind of talk out loud. Yeah. And you know, I think that's totally our jam. So yeah. That's okay. we, yeah, we do a lot of talking out loud. Wait. So by the time that people listen to this, it's going to be right before. I think it's going to be right before we participate in that festival.
1: No. This this particular episode we're recording right now is coming out Friday before the sunday that we are recording broadcasting live streaming whatever you want to right call so it. i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah this is fridays
2: before the sunday right so if you listen to this if you listen to our podcast on time <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly it's like listen to the or your know, watch us this weekend yeah.
1: <laughs> yes but most likely you won't uh we'll do some promotions on social media, but uh, we will actually get the audio and video of that broadcast, and we'll put it out as a feature podcast. Yes,
2: watch us this weekend on YouTube, URL you Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> Check our
1: social media accounts, we'll post it there, and let you know where to tune in, and you can see us live. I So this is the only thing I am doing on vacation, is doing this podcast correct i am i am breaking my rule i am bringing my laptop and Mm -hmm. microphone and camera so that uh so that we can produce a high quality uh podcast for the people who are going to live stream with us but also for for all of you listeners now in a future podcast we'll release release it there uh on our on our feeds so yeah, this is, that's my only technological thing that I'm doing this whole two weeks.
2: But for that reason, you have to bring your whole setup. I do have to bring my whole setup because I thought I could
1: possibly just do it on an iPad. And it can be done, but I'm really concerned about the quality. And I really want to make this make us look good, right?
2: Yeah, because the last thing we want is to look stupid. Right. We
1: can do that on our own. <laughs> <laughs> not on the internet. Not live on the internet.
2: No, but um, wait, what were the... There, there were like rules around this. We're no no cursing.
1: Yeah, we have to behave ourselves. No cursing.
2: We can't use um, bad language.
1: Yeah, we have to just be aware of our language. Yes, which we're less likely to do on our own. I'm so, I'm so
2: cognizant. I'm so, I'm so, I'm always aware of how I sound to people all the time. Are you? Am I? (laughs) 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 I'm not sure. I I don't know that that's the case. I think (laughs) you
1: talk. uh, I can filter myself. I can filter myself.
2: Really? Okay. Well,
1: this (laughs) this will be a great exercise in that. Uh, We're. It's a very planned out podcast though, as well. Whereas most of our podcasts are a lot more off the cuff. Correct. Uh, Some of it's planned out, obviously, but. yeah, it's a, it'll be much more planned out. We have a one-hour time slot, and we have to stay within that time slot. Oh my god! Uh, so we have to we have to time it, time it, and plan it out, and make sure that uh, we know our stuff. Ugh, I was gonna say shit, but you know we might as well start practicing. We better <laughs> language now because um, I did make that mistake on Infinite Track. I did say shit. Oh, uh, yeah, you weren't supposed to. Yeah, when I was uh, talking. About, I didn't curse. You did not. You were really well behaved.
2: I was so good.
1: Yeah, so you were, good. So you have to channel that same sort of energy for this podcast. Except it's not going to have to be three hours this time. That's correct. It's just one hour. That was exhausting. Um, but I'm getting up early on Sunday morning, just Hawaii time, because there were six hours difference. And uh, just for that. And then, uh, yeah. Huge sacrifice. Huge sacrifice, but I think it'll be great because it'll, more people get to see us hopefully.
2: Wait, so what is, so is it gonna be, what time is it gonna be in Hawaii? Like nine, six? Not six. Not, not six. Eight. Not.
1: eight. Eight. I think we'll get online eight. at eight. We're yeah. live at eight thirty, Hawaii time, which is two thirty your time.
2: Right. So, on Saturday. so what is Dennis gonna do?
1: Uh, Dennis said he's either go for a run or uh go explore for a little while. So, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Because he doesn't like to listen to us talk about Star Trek. Uh, no, at That's all. not his thing. Not at all. So, um, so yeah. Which so, is so that's coming up on July 16th at 2:30 Eastern. Is that the right date? Yes, okay. I believe so. Sunday, July
2: 16th. That's that's incorrect. It's, it's jul- incorrect. It's July, 18th. <laughs> July 18th. July 18th. July 18th is. Um, um, the Sunday, yes, I have it on my calendar. Okay. Women at Warp Live panel. There we go. All right. At two so thirty Eastern. So it's Sunday, July
1: eighteenth. That's correct. At two three two thirty PM Eastern time. Yes. Uh figure it out in your own time slot wherever you are, but there's the we if we were super smart people, we would do it in GMT, but we're not gonna do it that way. Uh, which no. is isn't that
2: uh, just an hour? Seven thirty, seven thirty PM GMT. Oh wait, GMT is London time, right? It's like yeah, right? UK time. Yeah, yeah, that's six hours ahead. Yeah, correct. Five or six hours, I forget. Six. Wait, five. I don't about know. Five right now. I don't
1: know. I don't time. know anymore. Anyway, whatever. We've we've rambled on about nothing for seven minutes now,
2: so maybe we should. No, this is informative for our listeners. <laughs> it was also informative for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, they need to know. Yes, yes, they
1: do. So moving on, though, I thought uh, you know we we're in July now, and I. I love it's no longer Pride Month. It's no longer Pride Month, but Pride is year round. Sure. Um, and although I thought that we these questions that we had were, were kind of cool. Um, so they're not pride prompts, but I thought we'd just come up with random Star Trek related questions on things that we could have a quick discussion about just to, to create some curiosity. So my, uh, this week's question is, uh, who would you choose to be your best friend from Star Trek?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, That's right,
1: and we went back and forth and talked this out a little bit to work out our ideas because, surprise, surprise, Johnson's default answer is always going to be data. I know, always. well, data's so helpful, uh, but I challenged him to come up with someone different, and he did. Yes, I did. So, who would you choose to be your best friend in Star Trek? And why?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure this is that necessarily surprising, surprising but. No. Uh, I would say that my bestie would probably be Brad Boimler. I think that he is. It's because like he and I have so many similarities, mm-hmm. like in so many ways. We're both like neurotic about things. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, we both like freak out about things. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like you know, we're. He also has a certain level of ambition, similar to me. Like it's not like super ambitious, but he, you know, we both st- still want to succeed and do well. Um, so I think that we would kind of get along and I would totally relate to his reactions and his freakouts, and I would also do the same. Yes. So do you I think, think there would yeah. be any competition between the two of you though? It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that's okay. I think yeah. that um, there can always be a little bit of competition. I think like, you know, I can get competitive with friends. I think when you're talking to, you know, when you are with peers and with when people like similar in personality, sometimes you can get... There could be a little bit of competition, but I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Okay. Um. So, yeah, that would be that would be my pick in terms of who I could, I could see the yeah. two
1: of you being besties and yeah, we would get hanging along. out in in what is it called? The what's the lounge on the Cerritos called? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, okay, the version ten Ford. Yes, the version of ten Ford. Yes, um. Well, cool. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, what about you? Who would uh, your best friend be?
1: You know, I, I, I'm going back and forth. I have two choices. Oh, okay. b- Before you said Boimler, I immediately... Before you even thought of Boimler, I had already come up with Mariner. Of course. Uh, I love Mariner. One, I love, love Tani Newsom, But also, um, I think that Mariner would challenge me in a way like to get outside of my comfort zone and to do things that are a little bit risk more risky, but also have a bigger payoff and I think that just like she does with Brad Boimler she she helps him grow mm-hmm. and and I I like that sort of challenge so I think for, for me I would my first choice would be Mariner um, but I also at the same time as, I, as we were kind of going down the rabbit hole of you always saying Data I was like you okay. can't choose Spock either yeah. but then when I said Spock I actually thought of Ethan Peck's Spock which okay. then made me think of number one and I actually think that number one would be a great like best friend, like uh, travel buddy, um, work coworker. Um, so she's very well put together. Yeah. And she's also got this like sarcastic sense of humor, and so I think I would vibe with that too. I don't think I know her well enough as a character yet.
2: We've only seen her like a small handful of times. Yeah, 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 ex- which is why I'm excited to see more of her in strange new worlds. But uh, yeah, I can see that. I'm actually yeah, really, I, I think, out that. of
1: what we know so far about Strange New Worlds, I am the most excited to see more about her. Oh, okay. Uh, we already know, obviously, Spock, and we of also course. know Pike. So right. uh, I think she'll be one of the most interesting. Like, for me, we don't know anything about the rest of the cast or the no. crew of the Enterprise. So no, we, we know have nothing. no idea about that. No, nothing. Piece of it. Zero. Um, so it'll be interesting to learn more about them. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, I mean, potentially, you know, they have that intern or that cadet who, uh, remember, in the short track? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yes. she joined enter- the um, Enterprise and mm-hmm. went into the TARDIS-looking engineering room, yeah, which yeah. looks nothing like the original. Nothing, nothing no, um, not at all. But that's, you know, that is a whole nother Conversation. Whole- conversation. So, yeah. All right, so... There's a little fun before we get into our underappreciated episodes of Deep Space Nine, right? Um, what are you doing? I am switching over to make sure we have the definition of our underappreciation that we finally came. Oh, up with. okay, okay, okay. So, uh, so as we like, let's transition into our. Um. um or underappreciated episode. I'm, do you see nine? I, Yes, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you threw me off. I was like pulling up the notes and here, and here we go.
0: I can see why my father likes having you around. I think um, you should stick with the Cardassian rifle. It's smaller, easier to use. and If we get bored, I don't want you to have to think too much about the weapon you're using. You don't like my father very much, do you? No, I don't. I understand. He did some very bad things during the occupation. Yes, he did. It bothers him, you know. Does it? Very much. He talks about it sometimes. He'd never admit it to anyone else, but he thinks the occupation was a mistake. Somehow, I don't think he'd say that if the Cardassians had won. Maybe not. But maybe losing made him a better person. Well, then a lot of innocent people died for his education.
2: Um, so, yeah. this. this so, week- we, so, we decided to talk about, or at least we talked a little bit about how we were defining an underappreciated episode, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, because we kept on going back and forth. We have gotten a little bit of feedback online for, like, is this an underappreciated episode or not? We've even asked the question. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think in the last episode or two episodes ago said... I actually appreciate this much, much less Yes, uh, as I kind of digested it, but also talked about it. So we finally came up with a definition. Do you remember what it is or do you want me to read what we came up with?
2: Yeah, no, basically, and I think by all accounts, an underappreciated episode would be an episode that is not a standout. Like it is not like if you were to ask, oh, what stood out to you? Uh, in season three of this series, right? Like it just it would be an episode that does not necessarily come to mind as a big pivotal episode or memorable episode for that season. So, for example, we're we we'll be talking about season four of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And season four had a lot of great episodes. It had yeah. We're the Warrior, right? Yeah. that's correct. Um, it had The Visitor. Mm-hmm. um it had what else did it have uh, it had other episodes <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot other, of there are many other episodes actually in season four that you were oh yeah i totally remember that episode as a yeah. role it's in the discourse blah blah Um, but there are many other episodes that are quality and good uh that you would need to be reminded of um because you simply it's simply is, it's not like a bad episode right. it's just not an episode that you're like oh yeah i remember that episode right off the cuff you know, so I think that's how we are defining it. Yes, exactly. And there's still a little bit of subjectivity in there, obviously. But I think that um, by kind of putting those parameters in place, I think that we at least have a better idea as to how we're defining an underappreciated episode.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, going back into season four, hopefully really quickly here. Um, but this for this one, we chose actually we went back and forth on two of them, right? We did. Uh, so as I, you came up with a few, you came up with one and then as I was kind of going through it, I threw, and, and for those of you who use Netflix to watch Star Trek, which I do, uh, they have the absolute worst descriptions of these episodes ever. So we went back and forth, but the one that I, I thought about was Crossfire, which, um, actually happens right before Return to Grace. Return to Grace is episode, uh, Technically, it's episode 14. Crossfire is episode 13.
2: And the- I proposed, yes, I proposed Return to Grace originally. Yes, you did, yeah. And then you were like, oh, what well, about Crossfire? And I was like, oh, I don't remember Crossfire. And then I watched Crossfire and then I liked it. And then I was like, let's talk about Crossfire. And then you were like, actually, let's talk about Return to Grace. <laughs> yeah. So it was very roundabout. Yeah, we kind of went
1: back and forth. Yes. And uh, they're both really great episodes and uh, very different. Very. Completely different. Very, very But I think, yeah. you know, where Crossfire was a little bit more nuanced and, and gets into some emotional areas and like, you know, the whole yeah. uh, best friend and falling in love with people that you work with, but also mm-hmm. that you have had a long personal relationship or working relationship with. Um, so there's all of that. But when I watched Return to Grace, I was super excited about the banter. The banter and the interactions are so classic and so so awesome. I mean, the Kira Ducat dichotomy right from the beginning of the episode is just, I mean, it's a really well written episode. So that's why we ended up with Return to Grace.
2: Do you want to give our listeners
1: a quick summary? Yeah, well, episode? I mean, the horrible Netflix summary of. Why the, use
2: from, Netflix? Use like Memory Alpha or something. Oh, well, I. Fine. I, I use I the Netflix up. one. It's already up.
1: This is just a quick way to look at the episode. so uh, I mean,
2: It's fine.
1: I mean, this is, at First Minister Shikara's request, Kira prepares to travel to a Cardassian outpost to sh- share Bajoran intelligence about the Klingon ep- Empire. Now, the whole piece of that missing is that the ship that she's put on is a Cardassian freighter and Gull Ducat is the captain of that freighter. Correct. So, <laughs> it doesn't uh, even mention Gull Ducat. It doesn't even mention Gull Ducat at all, uh, which is uh, amazing. And and the pictures for these episodes are both Kira, with you know, and an undisclosed, undetermined location. So, <laughs> um, it Love is, undisclosed uh, locations. So in uh, just undescribed, yes. locations. It's like where am I? So where is she? Um, so yeah, all so. Right. Let's talk about Return to Grace because I think it's a little more exciting of an episode. It's got a lot more action. Sure. Um, so, what are some of your early thoughts on? Well, you you just rewatched it. Yes. What I mean, is, you we both rewatched. We what are you talking we, about? Yeah, yeah, we we did. And and you know, one thing I will say, and we talked a little bit about this at lunch, was that it's hard to like watching these one offs of Deep Space Nine. You realize like. How serialized it is. Correct. Because there are lots of nuances in the episode as far as references back to previous episodes. Yeah.
2: Versus when we were doing our underappreciated episode rewatch of TNG, they're all very standalone. And it was easier to actually talk about them without necessarily needing to dip back into older episodes. Whereas here, there's so many references to like old events or previous episodes from the last season things like that that if you uh don't have that history it would be very confusing
1: yeah and i don't remember for instance i have no idea how Dull gull ducat got demoted so uh, it is because of the y'all is it okay that's yeah. that's what i sort of inferred from the episode but i couldn't remember like i didn't remember the exact yeah. instance where that happened so that's a big one, because yeah is also one. in this episode. Correct. Um, you know, right from the get-go, like, when Ducat shows up at Kira's quarters in the beginning of the episode to pick her up, mm-hmm. very, like, yeah, if awkward, uncomfortable, like, what the Yeah, hell? because if
2: you don't have... If, if you don't remember the episode... So basically, that episode, like, it was... Uh, the name of that episode was Indiscretion, and essentially uh, what happened was... Kira was helping Dukat find this missing transport, I think. Um, and he doesn't reveal it, but eventually he find out that Ducat had a Bajoran lover who was killed in—the the, the transport crash or something, and that they also had a daughter together, um, and she's been missing, and she was being held captive by the Breen. So the Breen were mentioned briefly in this episode— But the Breen basically were, they they, they were operating as slaves under the Breen. And Zial was one of them. And in that episode, Kira finds out that Galdukat had this lover, had this affair, and that he had a daughter that was half Bajoran, half Cardassian, and he wanted to kill Zial because it was like to wrap up loose ends, but also because he knew that if people found out that Ziol existed and that he had this affair that would be a problem and that he would basically get demoted um, from Gaul. And so that was like the whole point and then at the end obviously, the, you know, he sees Ziol and he can't kill her and Kira also is plays pay, a big part in that. So that's what happened. So along the way they kind of, they kind of, it, it's, you know, I wouldn't call it a friendship by any means because it's not but it's kind of like they, they learn to kind of at least get along a little bit, so that they're not... like divorced parents, almost. A little bit. So it's not just like, you know, obviously there's a lot of tension between them, but through this experience, they at least tolerate one another, and Gul Dukat is appreciative that Kira helped convince him to not kill Ziyal, and Kira is able to see this new side of Dukat a little bit. Yes. Um, So I think that... Again, I think it was emphasized in this episode that Kira does not like Dukat, but... At least he didn't, you know, he he didn't he wasn't as two dimensional for her because there was this backstory, right? Yeah. So that's why, yes, when Dukat came into her quarters, they didn't they weren't just like about to kill each other, you know? They were
1: no, I wasn't worried about yeah. that. It was just awkward. Like it was well, so awkward. It was it's so very awkward. awkward. And, and Dukat doesn't make it any doesn't work to make anything less awkward. No, in fact, he likes to amp it up. To make it more awkward,
2: he's a total instigator. Uh,
1: but uh, yeah, just I was really like thrown off by that whole that opening, uh, having not known about it from the. I should have probably
2: told you to watch.
1: Yeah, pro- pro- you know, probably if we weren't recording these all, you know, to get prepared for vacation, would have had more time to kind of. Because mm-hmm. as we did in Next Generation, I jumped around and watched a few other episodes in that season, yeah. got a flavor for the season. This time I didn't have time to really watch a ton of, right. I did watch Crossfire, but as a decision point between the two episodes Correct. and which one to talk about. So, um, so I think the most disturbing thing about that f- opening scene is that... Kira gives him, she he asks her to carry her luggage and she gives it to him. And that, that just blows my mind. The former gull of Deep Space Nine right. is carrying Major Kira's luggage to his ship. Yeah. It's well, just, now he's a lowly freighter captain. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, what the heck is happening here? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, from then on, it kind of, you know, there's definitely uh, a lot of dynamic conversations between the two. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, did you have a favorite in that episode? Favorite conversation that they
2: had?
0: Um, uh, I'm trying to
2: think. Like, I think that, um, you know, I'm trying, to th- I don't have, no- sorry. you know, I, I did appreciate Dukat's uh, uh, monologue towards the end where he's trying to convince Kira to join him. And, you know, he, he's basically trying to appeal to the resistance fighter in her. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. trying to relate to her that way. Yeah. I think the larger thing for me, and having rewatched all of DC's 9 in three months last year, um, is basically, it's more what's really fascinating about Gal Juhat's character is that... and there's Because there's conversations between Kira and Zial in this episode where Zial is... Expressing her perspective on Dukat, obviously, right? Yeah, from her perspective as her as his daughter, and she she very much hero worships him to a for like, sure for to a large extent. And I think the really interesting about Dukat's character that you see basically almost all the way to the end of I would say season six is that he sees himself as um, a very sympathetic person to the Bajorans. Where he... Yeah, it's like weird, right? But basically, he maintains this whole idea that he was a sympathetic overseer and that the Bajorans should be thankful that he was so kind to them. And this this finally... Um, this comes to a head in the... I think that's a season... Is this season five or season six episode? Um... It's, it's Waltz, um, okay. where basically he and I don't know if you remember this episode, um, but he and Cisco get kind of marooned on this planet. And by this time, Dukat's going crazy. Like, he's like, losing his mind and he's seeing people. Um, but it comes to a head in, in that episode because he finally realizes that he hates the Bajoran people. But all, all the way up to that point, he thinks that he sees himself, he has a savior complex where he thinks that he was actually doing a favor to the Jordan people, like in terms of helping to lead the occupation, helping to bring them out of like what he sees as the Stone Ages, but then also that he was um he he prevented them from suffering more than they could have under someone else's rule. So he has this whole idea in his mind that he's not only like a true Cardassian, as he as he says in this episode, but that he is a hero, you know, that he is someone that the Bajorans should actually respect and pay tribute to versus being this villain that most of the Bajorans, including Kira, see him as. So you see that kind of subtly, like, in a subtle way in this, and it kind of escalates more and more, like, as he kind of becomes more imbalanced. Because what, what happens in, like, season five or season six is, um, I really don't remember when Waltz was, but that was when, that was after Ziyal was killed and he became very, he started becoming very unbalanced. Um, so, that's what eventually leads to him kind of his, you know, he, he him going crazy um, and kind of seeking out the, you know, the power race kind of like. Right, and the ruin. To, you know, the, yeah. what happened all, in that, and all that. Yeah, But, um, yeah, even here, you kind of see him being like, I'm a resistance fighter, you know, I'm like um, I'm I'm here to help um, my people, and you know, like I, I just I just think that his character is just so fascinating, um, and you see a lot of that in a lot of the dialogue, um, a lot of, com- of the conversations that he has.
1: Well, from what I remember in this episode, he doesn't really see himself as a resistance fighter until she kind of prompts that and says, oh, you can do this, like, you can do that, you need to learn. Like, I think she brings out that resistance fighter in him.
2: Well, this is also when, after he realizes that the Cardassian leadership is not going to do anything. right? Oh, right, yeah. When he
1: provides, when when they've captured the Klingon ship and...
2: Yeah, and that's when he was like, you know, I'm the only true Cardassian left. Right, yeah. So
1: he continues that sort of savior um, mentality, like he's the only person that uh, can can save Cardassia now right right so the other question I had is so you know the the tete-a-tete with Kira is playful banter for a lot of the episode mm-hmm. until it kind of tips over into that area where he becomes this more freedom fighter and wants to or resistance fighter not even freedom fighter but um, but my question is and, I, and I'm not sure I know the answer to this I, I get the feeling that He has feelings for Kira, but I don't know if he's just instigating things with her or not.
2: Oh, yeah, I totally think that, um, you know, honestly, I think that he does. Well, I don't know if you remember, but a later episode, I think a season six episode, it's revealed that he had an affair with Kira's mother.
1: Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I think that.
1: So he sort of has a well, obviously, because Zal is is here at this point in the in the show. So he's mm-hmm. definitely had. He he has a fascination with Bajoran women. Yeah, which mm-hmm. would would almost make him very unusual in Cardassian society, I would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just get this really. I can't tell if he, fancies her, if he likes her, and wants to like. You know, make her or not make but wants to be with her in mm-hmm. a romantic way or mm-hmm. whether he's just being his like devious instigating self no yeah. um, because she plays off of that and she basically says never in a million years will that ever happen mm-hmm. um, but he still tries no yeah. uh, so you know it's it's an interesting that's the most that that for me is like the the confusing and and interesting part of this episode is just the dynamic between the two and how, you know, in the end, you know, it all leads up to the point where you said he gives this big monologue. And in the end, I think what Kira realizes is that that's the old her and not the yeah. new her. Mm-hmm. And, and she's, she's actually sort of, um, not I wouldn't say ashamed of her past, but she's, she's moving mm. past it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we did talk about, you know, her, when we talked about the, uh, the Kyle episode Mm -hmm. uh, from season one, you know, she was still very much dealing with the transition of becoming uh, an officer and working on deep space nine versus being a freedom fighter. And now I think in season four, she's reached that point where she's accepted her past Mm -hmm. and does not want to relive it. Like she's been there, done that. And that's sort of the end. So, uh, so she flat out denies him, and he—that sort of drives him a little bit crazy as well. I think that rejection of
2: of her, of him rather, her rejection of him. Yeah, but then I, you know, I, I think that he, the fact that Kira then wants to take Xiao under her wing, and that that kind of ties them together, also makes him feel like, oh, like, our destinies are linked together or something like that, you know? Because you do see, like, um, in, I get all my seasons mixed up now. I think it's season six, like, when, um, when the Dominion has occupied Deep Space Nine. Right, yeah, it is. Because they have a lot of banter and back and forth, like, especially over the all. Um, And I think that they kind of grow in some ways closer together, like, Dukant and Kira mm. because Kira needs to you know Kira needs to play nice and right, yeah. she, she's, you know she she's representing she, the Bajorans she, at right. that point and um, you know and Dukant also needs to respect that and they kind of walk there's this element where they need to walk around eggshells walk on eggshells around each other but the fact that Zial is there and they both care about Zial kind of Allow you know they're almost they do kind of almost operate as like dysfunctional parents with y'all yeah um and I think that that um, that gives jacon some some hope that there's a future for them like in a, in in his mind yeah like that they have a chance together somehow
1: yeah in this episode they're sort of much more like newly divorced parents who are like kind of both want to see the best for ZL, but have different very different opinions about how to go about doing that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely very interesting. What do you what do you think about the relationship between Kira and Zial in this episode?
2: Oh. Yeah, no, I think I think it's really interesting because Kira does have because of of the experience that they went through to save Zial. I think that Kira has this natural like you know, she's naturally protective of Zial. Um but she is also to what you were saying earlier, because of Zial's role as Dukat's daughter, um, there's this ten- there's this natural tension because Kira sees Dukat as this monster. Right. But she also needs to respect the fact that Zial is his daughter and and she hero she, worships her father very Yeah, much and then right? she, Kira, you know, Kira also knows that she can't possibly expect Zial to kind of see Dukat the way that she sees She's, Dukat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is that, because they have a few conversations where Kira just needs to be like, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, I don't expect you to understand um, the way that I see your father, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, ultimately, I think that Kira really does care for Zial quite a bit. Um, which is why, yeah, like she was like, yeah, like the, at the end she was like, you can't make her, to Dukai, Kira was like, you can't make Ziol kind of live through this because, you know, she, she, she can't, I don't want her to live the life that I had. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think that they have a great relationship. Um, and you definitely see it much more, like, a little bit, I, I wish we saw Zial more, actually, because we don't, after she moves to D Space Nine, we don't actually see that much of her. Um, but there are a few moments between now and when Zial dies in season six, um, that we get to see Kira kind of operate, like, as a mom figure, yeah. like a mother figure to her. Well,
1: and she definitely does that when she, well, she sort of does that as a soldier slash mom when she's showing zeal the different weapons mm-hmm. yeah uh, and and the value of um of the Cardassian weapon versus the starfleet weapon yeah, and what could possibly go a wrong and also how to look at it from a, a useful standpoint as a uh as a rebel versus mm-hmm. as someone who you know if when you're out in the wild you, you need something that will just work yeah and whereas the starfleet one has many more options but which means that many more ways to break so i thought that was a interesting uh little conversation just on her teaching her how to fight mm-hmm. other people with a with a live weapon yeah um so that was that was really interesting yeah i you know i definitely get the the mom figure the the mentor figure uh, of that and that comes across and and definitely like one of the things about like we said like this is such a contextual episode. Mm-hmm. It relies on on the backstory, yeah. um, which I didn't have time to to watch. But also, watching these intermittent episodes as we've planned out for for Deep Space Nine has definitely made me want to go back and rewatch. You should totally this. watch the whole thing. It's yeah. very watchable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm sort of stuck at a place in enterprise where i'm like uh, do, I, do i like I, I don't know if i'm season invested. three yeah I'm, i just don't know if i'm invested in season three of enterprise yet or not but anyway that's another another whole topic so anything else on return to grace that you can
2: think of um yeah i think no i think we talked about most of it i think that some of the action with because the Everything the other thing that's really going on in this season is the Klingon, the Klingon War, and the fact that the Klingons have broken off their treaty with the Federation and that they're kind of just doing their own thing now, and they're attacking. You know, they're they're going after the Cardassians, but even after Federation ships. Like it's it's like uh, that's the whole backdrop of this season, and then. This is when we find out that eventually found out that um there's like uh there's a changeling towards the end I think this is towards the end of the season they they, they find out that there's a changeling in the in the, in the, Klinga, in yeah. the. I don't remember if it was the Klingon high council was one of the high council I think so wasn't it Gowron? uh was it Gowron? I thought it was
1: uh I don't remember okay. That's my vague recollection of of Galran
2: was. Galran, was no, I don't, I don't think it was Galran. Okay, I don't think it was Galran. No, 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 it wasn't. It was like a, it was like an advisor to Galran, I think. Okay, Okay. yeah, but anyway, it was someone pretty high up, and like, um, it was, you know, they were helping to cause dissension between inside the Clan Empire, but then also between the Clan Empire and the other powers in the Alpha Quadrant got it Um, so and then that's when once they figure that out they're like oh okay like you know it's all the dominion blah 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 yeah so So
1: you also mentioned um, so you know if you're jumping around or if you haven't watched Deep Space Nine I don't know like this is a great episode but I don't Mm -hmm. know that you could just jump in and watch this episode certainly not without at least having some backstory in Deep Space Nine but apparently also a key episode would be Indiscretion is that the... Indiscretion
2: episode? would be the lead-up to this one. To this one, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that overall, you know, and then we talked about this before, Takan is probably one of the most interesting characters, like, secondary characters in D-Space Nine. And I think that this is one of the stepping stones to his character arc mm-hmm. overall. It's probably... It may not be one of, like, the... Oh, yeah, that you know, I remember that particular episode. Like, as you probably did not remember. No. You know, when you went back, but you were like, oh, this was actually important in at least the development of his character, his relationship with Kira, his relationship with Zial. Um, I think it was definitely one of the building blocks to us seeing him more as a character than kind of just as a Cardassian figure. So I think that um, it is pivotal in that respect, even if it is somewhat underappreciated.
1: Yeah, you know, I also think that um, one of the things about d nine. we we have mentioned before like this the plethora of secondary characters that mm-hmm. they have but i think you know one of the reasons why they took this route with Galtucot is because Marco Lemo plays him so well yeah uh, definitely on it so from an big. acting standpoint uh, he nails it uh, every time and i think that that's also i think that that's part of the reason why these the writers wrote so many episodes for him and brought him back because mm-hmm. really I mean there was no need for for you know for them to bring back the Cardassians after they left B- Bajor even though they were the next sector over or whatever mm-hmm. you know so I think certainly the acting uh, and, and as we get into the other episodes of underappreciated episodes of Deep Tissana I definitely have more thoughts on this as far as you know who yeah. plays Wayun and things like
2: that oh but, wait and this is also one of the first times I think we see Damar Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Who? Yeah, who... Here is just like the helmsman or something. Yeah, and he, yeah, and yeah. he has a very minor role. Yeah, that I, I he becomes that right away. And becomes so. Is important. that his first episode? You think? I think it is. I think okay. it's one of his first appearances, if okay. not the first. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, and then, yeah. then he becomes so important later. on. Yeah, he yeah. definitely
1: does. Uh. Yeah, it was funny. I recognized Demar, and I, you know, again not having watched all the episodes. In a long time, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't know whether this was his first episode or not. So, very cool. Um, so, great, underappreciated episode for season four of DCS Nine: Return to Grace. Uh, definitely yeah. check it out as part of a rewatch if, or a selected rewatch if you. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in season four. There is, yeah. Um, which is why I really think that I'm going to have to go back and just start watching Deep Space 9 from the beginning It's again. okay. It's okay. Um, there is so much goodness yeah. in it. Uh, and these little dips into each season are uh, just great reminders of, mm-hmm. of why Deep Space 9 is such a great show. Very cool. Well, shall we take a quick pause and uh, talk about our... Sponsor, sponsor. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, I think you were gonna talk about fan sets. Yes, I I was gonna talk about fan sets, and I totally could not think of the word sponsor for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) So, fan sets sponsors the Trek Geeks Podcast Network and Deep Space Pride. Yeah. And uh, I was actually just looking. I was curious if there were any new uh, Deep Space Nine pins. There are not, but they've got some really great pins. Uh, a lot of micro crew, as I've already shared before, I do have the woman of Star Trek, the woman of Trek, Jadzia Dax from Series 2, because obviously she is one of my favorite. I mean, there's some... Somebody... There, is there a
2: Zio pin?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Let's see. Um,
2: is this going along with the theme of this episode? No, there isn't. Uh, oh, the I'm newest one, I would say,
1: is Lieutenant Nog is the newest one, which will okay, become uh, apparent in our Season 6 episode, but... Uh, yeah, they they have a gemhadar. Uh, they have a, a gal Dukat. Oh, these so are Gold They Ducat. do have a gal Ducat, Um Kira in her red uniform, although um, yeah, which is kind of her standard uniform. As we kind of talk about, was it in? It was in the previous episode. Uh, which one? The previous one we talked about? No, the previous one to this one. Crossfire. Uh, oh, that one. She. She wore some different outfits, and actually, it was really. She like was her, yeah. She was wearing um.
2: It was it, a blue it's a more formal
1: blue formal it uniform. Was,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, but the pin here has got uh, her in her standard red uniform,
2: and uh, oh, they have Garrick too. So yeah. Um,
0: oh,
1: actually,
2: speaking of Crossfire, because that was where we see Kira's relationship with, um, Shakar really blossom. Yeah. Uh, Dukat made a lot of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, a, lot, a lot of barbs at Shakar. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. But I think this, do, is, you know, this goes back to him kind of just instigating and trying yeah, to definitely annoy Kira. Yeah, definitely but also being super nosy. And, like, Very he nosy. still
1: has, like, has his ears on what's going on in Deep Space Nine. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of like, how the hell would he know? He's, like, a lowly captain now and showing up and, like, asking... He might have connections. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, check out fansets.com. Put a bunch of pins in your cart. If you put in
2: more than $30, you'll get free shipping in the US.
1: And if you use the code DS pride?
2: No, deep space. Isn't Oh, is it DS pride or yes. it DSPRIDE. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I forgot our code. Oh my it's god. Just DSPRIDE. It's DS pride. Okay. DS pride. Okay.
1: You'll get, you'll get 10%, 10% off. off. Correct. Yes, there you go. All caps. All caps. Correct. Yes. So, definitely go and check them out. They do have new pins released on the first and fifteenth of every month, uh, and so go check them out. They've got a great bunch of Deep Space Pride pins. Uh, Deep, Deep Space, Space nine, nine pins. pins, goodness. Yes, yeah. uh, and so check out FanSets, and we thank FanSets for sponsoring the Trek Geeks Podcast Network and Deep Space Pride. Thanks, FanSets. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Why did not you, Johnson, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us? Yeah.
2: So we would love to hear from you. You can reach us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Deep Space Pride. Or you can email us at deepspacepride at gmail.com. There we go. And we'll be back again next week
1: talking about in the cards the penultimate episode of season
2: 5 yes of Deep Space Pride. it's all kind of blurring together because we're jumping around so much we
1: are yeah but um, it's fine so we'll talk about that next week and uh we'll see you all then thanks for listening everybody bye right